Hello everyone and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast. How are we all today? I hope you're all well and having a lovely, lovely week so far. If you are tuning in for the first time, the She Can, She Did podcast is a podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with female founders dotted all over the UK via Zoom for the foreseeable future, unfortunately, but usually over coffee in person, and ask them to open up to me about absolutely everything they've been through, the good, the bad, the ugly, we chuck it all in there, to not just launch, but grow and sustain their businesses to date. The overarching aim being that She Can She Did encourages current female founders to persevere by highlighting that setbacks on route are so normal, but also to inspire as many aspiring business owners that launching a business is possible no matter what age you are, but only if you're willing to grit your teeth and work seriously hard. Now, I got to chat to the Queen of Curls, that is Michelle Scott Lynch, founder of Buclem, for this week's episode, who I will introduce in just a second because, golly gosh, did she inspire me throughout this chat. But before I do so, I am so pleased to say that Tide Business Current Accounts are back once again as a sponsor of the She Can, She Did podcast, a fact that I am very happy about because I've been banking with Tide ever since I switched over to being a limited company at the end of 2018 and have loved them ever since so feel like I can really go to town at talking them up in these intros. Now, if you haven't heard of Tide, it's a business current account dedicated to startups, entrepreneurs and freelancers. You can download the app and set up a business account with them in no more than 10 minutes if you're interested, by the way, who have, in recent weeks, set up a small business solidarity series on their website to champion and promote Tide users, which has been designed to showcase the various ways in which Tide members are supporting others as we all navigate the coming weeks and months. From free SEO resources and business coaching sessions from fellow business owners to free online fitness sessions and meditation recordings too, there are so many useful offers to take advantage of, so please do feel free to have a look at their website www.tide.co forward slash solidarity hyphen initiatives or by following the link in this episode's show notes. Now, if you came to the last Midweek Mingle Roadshow of the year in 2019, you'll know how good today's guests' hair products are, because the Buclem hair oil was hiding in the goodie bags for us all, and 20 Midweek Mingles in, it is still one of my favourite goodies we've had. But if you haven't heard of Buclem, it's the phenomenally, I can't say that word, phenomenally (laughs) successful clean curl care range for curly-haired people worldwide that Michelle launched in London in October 2014. Having hated her hair for the majority of her lifetime, it wasn't until Michelle went to New York for her 40th birthday and visited a hair salon out there that made her feel empowered instead of ashamed of the curls on her head that she decided to take matters into her own hands and find a way to bring that sense of empowerment to curly-haired people here in the UK too. Two years of testing formulations and coming up with a brand identity later, which alone came with a myriad of hurdles, Buclem was born. After struggling to hear each other for a good 15 minutes owing to some tech issues, thankfully Michelle's husband came to the rescue with that one, the two of us finally sat down to chat last Friday morning about the journey Michelle has been on since then. Her honesty in this episode is what She Can, She Did is all about, so as always ladies, I really do hope that you enjoy it. Before we get going, is it Buclem? Me, is that how I say it's it? Buclem. 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 Yeah. No way. Oh yeah. my gosh. So it's all one word, and it's Buclem. 
Well, you learn something new every day today. <laughs> Clem. Michelle, I mean, I'm so glad I asked that before we started this podcast because I was going to get through that podcast by calling your business a completely <laughs> wrong name. <laughs> But you are the founder of Boo Clem. There was me thinking it was Boo Call Me. <laughs> Please, can you just set the scene so we can get going with what your business is all about in your own words? Um, and we will take it from there. Okay. So Boo Clem is a plant-powered hair care range specifically created for curls, kinks and waves. Our products are 96 to 99% naturally derived and are created to nourish and strengthen the hair from the inside out and uh, and give it moisture, which helps to give it great definition. And I'm literally looking at your hair now and thinking it <laughs> it will 100% work because your hair's amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I've just washed it today, actually, so it's still drying, but yes, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, where did this all come from? Because um, I'm guessing, you know, you are your own inspiration, having curly hair. But I always think, you know so easy to think about ideas but actually putting them into practice is a completely different thing so talk me through like the idea and how you went about I suppose getting off the ground so basically I kind of I created Boo Clem because of my own daily struggles with having curly hair so when I was young and a teenager there weren't really any curly role models around there weren't really that many black people on tv even so I basically was straightening my hair. I hated the curls. I went to hairdressers. No one ever knew what ha- knew, knew how to look after my hair. It was always a complete nightmare. So I decided just to start straightening it. And I straightened it from the age of 19, probably until I was about 30. And then when I was 30, I read, and I've, not t- I've never told, told this story on a, on a podcast before, but um, I think it's quite interesting in terms of where we are at the moment with Black Lives Matter. But I read Malcolm X's autobiography, and he talked about what black people were doing to their hair and he he called it conking which is a it's a form it's called relaxing it's where you put these chemicals onto the roots of your hair and it straightens your hair at the roots and basically you have straight hair rather than curls or coils but through that process the chemicals are they actually burn your scalp and you end up with scabs in your hair I mean it's like it's actually really painful. And it was much worse then because they were using much stronger chemicals. And um, he basically talked about how it was like a form of self-degradation. And it was a way in which black people felt that they needed to, to do in order to conform with white society. And when I read that, it completely resonated with me. Everything about it. I just From that moment on, I decided I'm not doing this anymore. And I've never straightened my hair since. Yeah. So then after that was the process of, okay, so now my hair, now I'm going to embrace my curls. Now I need to find products that work. And there just really wasn't anything on the market apart from John Frieda's frizzies, which was full of silicones. And I might sometimes find a product that was quite nice and worked, but it was American or it would be discontinued. And then when I was 40, I went to New York for my, um, for my 40th birthday. And I went to, a, I kind of had read about these curly specialist hair salons over there. And I went to this salon, which was a curl specialist salon, and it was the first time I walked into a salon and it was all curly people. And people were like, wow, your hair's amazing. Whereas my previous hairdressing experiences would be, I hand over a hundred pounds, I walk out, tie my hair up, cry. Yeah. And, you know, I walked out of that salon feeling amazing. My hair looked amazing and I felt completely understood. I was, it, was just, it was just so liberating, but I was 40. It's taken me to 40 to have this experience. And I just thought, well, if it can happen here, why can't it happen in London? Why isn't it happening in London? And that was really the catalyst for me to come back and start, you know, create the concept of Buclem. What were you doing at the time? On the, like, what was your main job? So I was a mum. 
I was a full-time mum at, mm-hmm. at that time. And, um, you know, I also, both my daughters are curly. Uh, and I also remember my youngest coming home, my eldest, sorry, coming home from school saying, mummy, I hate my hair. I don't like having curly hair. And I just thought, oh my God, that is my story. And I really don't want you to relive it. So yeah, but my background before that was I'd worked in music. I'd worked in marketing. So I'd worked for record companies for about 10 years. Um, and then I had my kids. Okay, amazing. So I'm just thinking, you come back from New York then and you think, right, something's got to change. I always think any kind of beauty hair product, to actually get it onto the shelves, there's so many restrictions you've kind of got to get through. Mm -hmm. The health and safety stuff, all the formulations, you know, they're eco, they're um, they're not tested on animals, which mm-hmm. is amazing. All of these different bits take so much time and they take money as well. How mm-hmm. did you know where to start? What did you kind of prioritise first once the idea, once you'd committed to that idea? So, I mean, it was at the time when the internet was kind of really coming to the fore. And, you know, when I said before that, you know, there weren't really any curly hair models, there wasn't even really featured in magazines. There's no real kind of education. But there was this global network of curly women on the internet talking about their experiences they were talking about what they used how they used it so that was really you know I was kind of completely logged into that and like reading people's blogs and learning about what they what they tried and then I started researching ingredients different ingredients that were you know scientifically proven to help with curly hair and then I started kind of making stuff in my kitchen Um, so I was making gels and conditioners and things and like trying them out and it was kind of it was the whole process was really interesting because I had I have a friend a really good friend of mine she I was talking to her about my idea and she said to me that she had a friend um, that she'd gone to university with who had created her own bath and body care range and she'd also helped create Soho House's cow shed so I was like oh she said why don't I put you two together why don't you have a conversation so I chatted to Chloe Chloe was really helpful and she introduced me to an amazing cosmetic chemist down in Somerset and I kind of made an appointment to go in. I, mean, I talked to him, to him all about the idea and he was really into it. And so I drove down to Somerset. So I, like, this is in the middle of winter. I got up at five. It was pitch black outside, driving. Where are and you based? I'm in, I'm in southeast London. So it was a good three hour drive. And I remember getting, getting, coming into Glastonbury and I could see literally Glastonbury tour on the horizon. And there were all these clouds underneath it. And it just looked like it was floating as, like an island. And I was like oh my God, this is a sign. (laughs) It is a sign. And I just had an amazing meeting with him. We basically agreed to work together. I kind of came up with a a list of all the ingredients that I wanted to include. And I initially launched with three products, which was a a curl cleanser, a curl conditioner and a curl defining gel. Yeah. And there was a lot of, they, they kind of take my brief go away, make a sample, send it back to me. I try it out. And there was a lot of that back and forth for about two years, basically, mm. until I was really happy. He does say that I'm one of his pickiest um, <laughs> clients. <laughs> um, but once I got to the thing point is, where... Just to butt in, though, you kind of have to be with something like that, don't you? Because it's better yeah. to make all of those tweaks before you launch so that you know deep down that you can defend it through and through rather than you have kind to of... believe in it, right? Yeah. yeah, you have to believe in it. And so... It wasn't until I tried it on myself and I tried it on both of my daughters who've got very different curly hair to me and it worked for both, for all of us. And then I basically reached out to a group of curly women. I accosted people on the streets. Will you, will you be part of my focus group? <laughs> and I basically got um, samples and I got them to come around to my house one evening. There was about 10 women. 
And they I tried not to be like, who is this lady? I know, she's, she's nuts. <laughs> yeah, cuckoo. <laughs> Why is she talking to me? But the, the irony is, is that curly, curly women, well, not necessarily just curly women, but curly people, they were all struggling. And so when someone says to you, oh, you know, they've got this new product I'm, I'm hoping to launch, they're game because everyone's looking for their holy grail. Sorry, I'm really rambling on here. But no, basically, not at all. So you have them at your house and doing testing? And I did a focus group um, and I gave them the products and I sent them away. And then I created a, a questionnaire on SurveyMonkey that they could go in and reply anonymously because I thought that was really important. And then when, the, when all the um, feedback came back and it was nine out of 10, I was like, I'm onto something. This yeah. is good. And yeah, and then that was, that's it really. I just, that was it. I knew it was right and we went to market. I'm still interested in that two years back and forth. How did you keep hold your nerve throughout that two years? I'm just thinking for anyone, because it does take, like I'm, I'm giving up to launch something the next phase of She Can, She Did that I've been speaking mm-hmm. about, you know, with friends and family for about 18 months, two years now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people ask questions and when you're still not there yet, you've got to kind of trust yourself to that it will come. Do you know what I mean? So like yes. all of that back and forth, like what did you tell yourself or how did you keep yourself motivated I mean I'm quite an impatient person and that has definitely been one of my biggest challenges in running a business is that you want things to happen in your time yeah and the biggest thing I've learned is that nothing happens in your time it happens when it's meant to happen and I'm quite philosophical and I really you know I really do believe in I'm quite spiritual and I really do believe that things happen when they're meant to happen as they're meant to happen but that isn't necessarily necessarily easy to live through on a day-to-day basis. And I think whilst I might have been tweaking back and forth with the with the actual products, there was kind of like the branding that still needed to be done. So there was kind of, whilst one thing might have been quiet, there was something else kind of going on in the background. And yeah, I just kind of went with it. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that branding because there is so much competition out there in the sense of hair care products, not mm-hmm. necessarily the, the curly range. But how did you go about standing out from the crowd and making sure that when you did launch your kind of the curly identity was at the forefront but also the bottles everything still you know were pleasing on the eye which I do feel like you've you've nailed the aesthetics so what was your approach there? You know I've just been so lucky in the people that I've met along the way on this journey and actually actually it's not luck actually it's just everything it's not that it's been easy but people have come into my life and I've been introduced to people at the right times. And I was introduced to this guy called Simon, who is amazing. He's an amazing designer and I still work with him now. And I mean, actually, let's, <laughs> sorry, but let's go back to the beginning. I actually had a friend who was a designer and I went to him first and that didn't work out. Okay. So we, I ended up having to pay for something that I didn't actually like. Yeah. But recognize that actually I couldn't there was that kind of painful back and forth where I was thinking oh I'm not sure if it's quite right and when I presented it to the focus group it didn't really no one was kind of like going wow this is amazing so I had to recognize <laughs> Bit of an awkward silence <laughs> total awkward silence and so then I had to kind of stop pause and realize that perhaps this isn't right it's not the right name I had a different name as well it was curls god we love curls so I had to you know like the whole thing had to kind of change and then I met Simon and I'd already changed the name at this point and he just had such, he's just got such an amazing eye for detail. And we kind of came up with lots of different concepts. And one of the things that I really wanted was to have like the curl within 
the the name, which is why I have Bouclem, because Bouclem is a hybrid of Bouclet in French, which means curly, and Michel, which is my name. So, I, and I kind of needed that in the aesthetics of the bottle as well. So he basically came up with the idea of having the the, the swirl that goes around the entire bottle, and then the colours were really an inspiration from the natural fragrances that we um, use in our products. So all the natural essential oils, so magnolia, for instance kind of the pink and then you've got the yellows and the greens which have come from the citrus um, essential oils it was like a, a partnership that we kind of came together but he really is a visionary and, and you know he, he nailed it yeah and it's so interesting what you said because it isn't like you said it's not luck at all it's you had the kind of guts to take that leap you had the conversations with people that led to other people and actually in hindsight you can piece it all together Mm-hmm. And it boils down to the fact that you made the leap and you kind of got the process going. And it is, it's just a kind of, it's a, always a really amazing journey when you can join the dots up to see how you led to something, which at the yes. time might be like, oh gosh, how did I come across this person? But it's actually, you put that, the wheels into motion two years before, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Definitely. And also, you know, what I you do forget part of the journey. You do forget the struggles of the journey because like, I'm five years down the line now and I've completely forgotten about the fact that I had a completely different name. Yeah. You know, that I'd even trademarked. I spent all this money on it. And then that's only not to... cheap, is it? Like the no. trademarking. That's a no. that's a process in itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I'd gone so far with that and then had to kind of retreat and go, no, it's not working, and then and then find something else. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so you're about to launch. How did it feel? Because two years of um back and forth, you're kind of you are invested so much energy has already gone in to that and then you've got to kind of muster up the energy to actually like the hard work begins at the launch right so how did you what was your approach there so obviously it was we were launching it in a digital era so you know I wasn't reliant solely on stores and I could I could launch my website so all the focus was based around building the website making it look as professional as possible um and then I kind of created a press release of my own to send out to people I had also met up with a and I, I did a photo shoot for the website and I'd met a photographer who'd introduced me to a lady who was a had her own PR company called Fluorescent and um I met Rachel and Rachel was had, had curly hair and it was just destiny because she understood the plight she understood the struggle and she had mentioned that um a store called Content Beauty they were based in Marylebone. They're still in the West End. They're just a really small um, boutique clean beauty shop um, run by an amazing lady called Imelda Burke, who at the time was writing for the time. She had a, an, a column in there called The Green Edit. And basically, I reached out to, um, I'd launched the website in October 2014. I was happy with that, kind of just sent it to all my friends and said, you know, spread the word, send it to your friend, um, to anyone you know is curly, set myself up on Facebook, Instagram, etc. And then I sent some, I emailed Imelda just out of the blue, completely cold, didn't know her at all. And she replied back, like, oh my God. And um, she was working on a great British beauty campaign. The stars aligned. I sent her my, some, some samples to try and she, she loved them. And, and she, she, she took us on. She became our first retail partner. And because of who Imelda is and because she's like a pioneer in the kind of clean, green space, Lots of other kind of clean beauty boutiques around the world look at what they're what she's doing and would then reach out to me on the back of that. So it was really fortuitous and the you know timing, everything, it was it was just perfect. And the sales just kind of started trickling in and um 
yeah that was it that's how it started I love I, honestly I love stories like that but I always do feel like it's it boils down to the fact that you reached out you know yeah that's what so many people sometimes they kind of look at those big names and think I'm never gonna they'll never be interested in little old me but mm. actually you know you had a really amazing product that needed to get in front of her yeah and and you're, you're absolutely right you do you are you can be paralyzed by that fear you know it can stop you from doing stuff but you know if you've done all that work the next step is actually far smaller than the, all the steps that you've made before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just never know what's going to happen. So I mean, you know, my advice to anyone who's starting is just don't be afraid of cold, sending cold emails. Just make it interesting. Make it personal to that person. You just never know where it's going to take you. Yeah, absolutely. How is the kind of like since 2014 then, October 2014, right through to now, What's the kind of growth been like? Um, have you kind of, has it been quite steady? Have you seen any peaks, troughs? And, and I guess, how have you managed that journey since? Yeah. I mean, is that a question? I feel like there's something in there. It is a question. It's definitely a question. <laughs> yeah. So, do you know, the growth of Buclair has been 100% year on year. I don't even think that when I started this, I didn't start it thinking, I'm going to create a really amazing, brilliant beauty brand. Everyone's going to love it. I created it because it was out of need. It was out of personal need. So I never really, I wasn't invested or attached to an outcome. Of course, I wanted it to sell, but it has surpassed my, you know, where I, where I, where I thought at that time. And, um, you know, we've just kind of grown 100% year on year met new retailers online sales for us you know has been really strong and actually with covid our sales are the biggest they've been ever so it's crazy i wonder like because normally with with that i'm I'm interested do do you can you pinpoint that because with them you know i uh, did a covid series when Mm. it first kicked off for seven weeks and the ladies that had, you know, like soap brands, they were doing amazingly. But I, you could obviously like pinpoint that. Whereas people wash their hair, you know, every day. So I, can you think of any reasons why it was doing particularly well? So the few reasons that I think of is that basically there are a lot of people who who are still straightening are still straightening their hair. And if you're not having to do that to go out to work and you're at home, you're more inclined to think now's the time to experiment. Now's the time to do it because I don't have to see anyone. Um, so I think there was a lot of that. And we had also at the beginning of this year created a 30 day, a 30 days kit. It's like a 30 days challenge. So it just kind of, it was just, again, really fortuitous that we create it. This seemed to happen. That isn't so fortuitous, obviously for, for, (laughs) (laughs) and I think it just probably tapped into those people. And we've had, we've been inundated with people asking us how to look after their hair. What, what should they be using? it's just been, it's been immense. And I think it's just basically the fact that they're not having, they're not going out. So they don't have to blow dry their hair. Why don't I try something new? Yeah. That's so like oh, the minute you started speaking, I was like, of course, that's the reason. And it's so, it's been so liberating. I think just in general, um, you know, like the fact that we're on Zoom now, no, like no makeup. And it's just, I really wonder what it will be like when we go back and just kind of embracing that just natural through and through. Cause the amount of meetings I've done and I'm just it's just bare yeah. faces what it is <laughs> yeah I mean I don't even want to go to go out down to the shops now I can't even be bothered I'm just like okay fine yeah absolutely. I'm just picking up the clothes I took off the day before and putting them back on. <laughs> <laughs> honestly I haven't put normal clothes on I just live in leggings and um sports yeah. right at the moment mm-hmm. 
just popping on here with a little reminder to say that this episode is sponsored by Tide Business Current Accounts, who have created the Small Business Solidarity Series, showcasing how Tide members are supporting others with their businesses as we all try and navigate the weeks and months ahead. To browse the offers and discounts available, feel free to have a peek at the link to the Business Solidarity Series in this episode's show notes. Michelle, what's been the, the main focus for She Can, She Did, and it's a bit that I'm always interested in, is the challenges and how you've kind of overcome them en route. And you have weaved a few in there in general, but can you pinpoint either like the worst day on the job so far, like what what happened or, you know, the biggest struggle, if you had to say one? So I think the hardest thing is obviously with, with such fast growth, you know, probably for the first few years, I was doing most things by myself. And, you know, I was packing the orders, taking them to the post office, and then it got to a point where I couldn't do that. And so it was kind of knowing when to recruit and then also trying to find people. You know, that's just not, it's not that easy. Um, You think it is, but it isn't. How do you find the the perfect members of your team? So that's always been quite hard. And and I still find that hard now trying to find, you know, great team members that that you know are going to fit in and and are going to help. And knowing where you need to bolster up your 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 team you know, where do you need to put in more time and energy and it's kind of it's it's that's that's hard and, and managing people as well is also really hard for me um what, what kind of roles were your first hires so my first hire was a social media person a content creator and actually gemma has been with me since like really early on she's still with me now and then I had an intern that came to work with me from Paris, Rojan, she was great. And then I, then she kind of stayed for longer and I employed her for a bit, uh, but she was still looking to study. So then she left. And then I had a sales, a freelance salesperson, sales and marketing person, Lisa, who's re- been really, really helpful. She's still with me now. Nat, who's also been helping me with like the e-com side, um, the website marketing. And then I've got Two full to two full time employees, and I that is an operations manager, Helen, and then Coco, who's our marketing assistant, and um, we are a tiny, tiny team doing an awful lot, um, you know. And we de- we're, we're stretched, so I know that I kind of need to look at who am I going to bring in next, and what's the most, what's the biggest priority. Um, mm-hmm. So that's always a challenge. And then other challenges have been things like pre Brexit. We needed to, we went out of stock of one of our best sellers. And because people within the beauty industry were bulk buying raw materials pre Brexit to secure prices, there were no raw materials at all. Like two of our key raw materials just weren't, weren't available. And were, it was going to be two or three months before they were coming back in. Mm. But that's really hard because you've got customers who'd want to, who've become reliant on a product that you are meant to be providing to them and you can't. So you've got an unhappy customer. You kind of there's nothing you can really do because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So that was really hard. Um, How did you manage that? Well, we just had to um, we we just had to kind of go with it. But then what we've done, what we've put in place um, now, so it doesn't happen again, is that we've basically forecasted properly um, how much of a raw material we're going to need, and you know, factored in growth so that we the the lab have always got surplus rather than scrabbling around to find more so it's been a lot of kind of tweaking with forecasting and stuff like that um so that shouldn't happen again but that there was a lot of stern conversations going on around that because it was just a disaster yeah yeah, yeah. the thing is though it's a, they're the kind of challenges that are like that does sound unbelievably stressful but yeah. it's like 
sometimes you have to kind of go through, even if you don't want to, go through her, like a really big headache like that to learn from it and then and then put the measures in place. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a yeah. kind of wake-up call. And it's also like a, for you, a, a, a welcome to business in the sense that that's one of those the fun and games of running a business, it suddenly becomes a lot more real, doesn't it? When you have the the difficult conversations. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And also, you know, it's like you can't, you know, you, what you really want to do is scream and shout, but that's not really going to get you anywhere anyway. So you just have to kind of manage it in a way that you express how difficult it is for you, but make sure that you keep people on side. So that's really important as well as like managing your relationships with your suppliers and 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 making sure that when that they that they like you and that when when that stock comes in you're the first person they're going to give it to yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah it pays to be half decent person I guess <laughs> it definitely does you know you've got to be you've got to be kind definitely yeah. regardless of what's going on for sure I mean another challenge I had was that this was probably back in 2018 now when um I'd gone to New York to do a trade fair over there and um uh, Whole Foods had shown a lot of interest and there was a lot of emails um, with them and they were really keen to launch Buclem in globally in for Whole Foods. But they were talking like a minimum of 260 stores and a maximum of over 500, which is an amazing opportunity. However, they have this policy, which is called a free fill policy, which means that you have to give three free products for every SKU that you have. So a SKU is like every individual product in within your range and it was going to cost me about a hundred thousand pounds in order to do that and you actually don't know how long that product's going to sit on a shelf for it could be there for three months could be there for six months who knows before they're going to reorder so I was going to be giving away an awful lot of stock before I was actually making any money back and I remember having a conversation with my my cosmetic chemist down in Somerset and just talking it through with him and um, and I just had to come to the understanding that actually it just wasn't the right time and I just couldn't do it. And um, it was galling because it was an amazing, amazing opportunity, but it probably could have ruined us. So mm. I can't. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I putting myself in your shoes, that is such a, a difficult position to be in because it's, it's toying with you, isn't it? It's like that. Yeah. And that is a big risk. But I guess that kind of is where the everything happens for a reason kind of comes back. And, you know, even if it hasn't with with Whole Foods yet, it, it, I'm sure you'll come around full circle and one day you'll be like, thank God we didn't go then. But look where we are now. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, when at that time, it feels like the biggest thing at that time, because you're only in that present moment and you just don't know what's going to happen around the corner. And you, you think that, oh, God, this could be the biggest opportunity. I might never get it again. But it's not true because from that, from from then, you know, we're now in Selfridges, we're in Boots. You just don't don't be afraid because what's meant to be will be. Yeah. And in terms of those difficult conversations, when you are a small brand and you're dealing with, you know, huge, huge global brands, what's your advice for approaching those conversations and like hold it, holding your own still, you know, and, and kind of putting your foot down and making sure that, and this is, in general, I'm not pinpointing that specifically mm-hmm. on um, Whole Foods at all. I just mean for just general advice, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of terminology that I'm <laughs> actually not au okay with at all. That's always been a massive learning uh, curve. Yeah, all sorts of things, retros and what else, GWPs and 
PWPs and I was like what are these things I've literally sat here like uh <laughs> I have no idea what they are PWPs gift with purchase you know there's all this kind of like retail um jargon that I had no I have no idea about because it's just not my background so don't be afraid to say what does that mean um or if you don't want to say it to that person if you you know have somebody who you can talk to who potentially works in retail that you can maybe ask that question they might be able to help you and I think you know just don't just take your time don't rush into making decisions really think things through because they're you know a retailer is always going to be working um to to the to find the best opportunities for them it's not necessarily going to be the best opportunity for you and you have to kind of navigate that yourself so even if they're coming to you with a certain margin price that you're not really happy with there are even if you you know go back to them see if you can get them to to, to rethink that or find counterways in which you can get get the partnership to work for you as well mm. uh, I'm trying to think of any particular examples but nothing's immediately coming to mind but yeah you, you know even if you can't if they can't do the margin maybe you ask for can we be included in your newsletter can we be included in this you know there, there are other ways of trying to kind of make it work for you too yeah absolutely in terms of like let's move on then because obviously you we, you've mentioned that you are a mum you've got two teenage girls you've got a team I've just seen your husband because he helped with the, with the, the recording in our dodgy mics you know that that in itself that's a lot of plates spinning as well as the business how have relationships evolved throughout this whole process since launching this business with um friends former colleagues um just generally those around you and have you seen any relationships um evolve for the better or worse as you've become busier as the business has become more successful etc cetera, etc cetera? do you know what it's been I, th- I think it's really hard um and at the beginning it wasn't but now that it's really now that we're really busy um definitely it takes a toll on your relationships you know I used to be the person that'd be ringing saying oh wait, wait, let's do this let's do that it's like radio silence for me and that can be really difficult for your friends because they feel like you're not necessarily prioritizing them and um so yeah it has it's definitely been difficult and with some friendships and but where people just think that actually you don't care and it's not that you don't care it's just that you've got a business you've got kids and there's a there is a, a pecking order um so that and then even with my husband you know he works full-time I work full-time and then our only free time is really kind of based around domestic stuff and the kids so you really have to carve out time to just be the two of you and I would say we haven't been the greatest at that um but if you don't you know your relationships do suffer so you do it's really important as well for your for your self-care, for your mental health, to make sure that you have downtime and have fun with the people that you love and that love you. Mm. Um, and it can be hard to prioritise that, but it is actually really, really important. Yeah. yeah. Anything without them, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it, it comes up in every... Com- it's why I ask it, because um, I think it's something that is a common link between all of these interviews, is that, you know, there's when family and business like you said it's an unintentional pecking order that kind of there there are priorities and it is just trying to someone once said you know when you launch a business you obviously want your friends to support you and ex- and kind of expect them to support you and then remembering that the ones that are supporting you you have to look after those relationships yeah but it's yeah. just yeah finding the time and just trying to juggle it all isn't it it's yeah, yeah. It's a hard one Definitely, definitely. And I, I, you know, I have lost a friendship as a result, um, which is never very nice and makes you, and it's quite, you know, makes you feel quite sad. 
but um yeah just have, you just have to kind of keep some perspective yeah um on work-life balance really yeah I, I read um an interview I think on on um the Buclem website where you said there's nothing you know like a bath and some aromatherapy oils that that fixes a lot doesn't it <laughs> well do you know what my kindle <laughs> and my bath with some aromatherapy associates bath oils is 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 all I need sometimes or a large glass of wine or a margarita <laughs> preach preach to that yeah I feel like I say it to everyone but my Friday it's Friday today isn't it and I Friday evening is a big glass of red wine and it it's just like hey I work on um I have Sunday's my day off but I do feel like Saturdays is that like I'm choosing you don't have to work as hard on a Saturday but I feel like a glass of wine on um a Friday night is my that's my like yeah yeah I don't know about you but I for me like Friday is my night it's my favorite night because I know that I've got Saturday and Sunday ahead of me. So I, you know, if I'm going to go out or if I'm going to meet friends, it's like Friday night. I just, it's great. It's my favourite night of the week. It's so, so true. Night, it's always takeaway night. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Um, yeah. What have you learned about yourself throughout all of this? Looking back from 2014, hang on, if you launched in October 2014, no, let's go 2012 then for the two years of the testing bit. What have you learned since then? Um... I have learned that I, I that I can do I can do I can do things um, I can launch business. Um, it's really hard to actually this question to answer because I've learned that I'm quite impatient. Obviously, I kind of knew that, but I've definitely learned that I'm impatient. I guess through managing my team, I'm, I've learned that I'm not necessarily always a good communicator in terms of explaining what I want. Um, or if things haven't gone quite right, being able to ex- explain it in a way where it, someone's not offended, for instance. It's not that I'm direct. I sometimes potentially don't say anything when actually I should say something. Um, so I find that really difficult, just kind of being able to ask for what I want and in the right kind of way. Mm. So I've learned that. Yeah, and I've learned, as we talked about relationships, that I need to take more time for my children um it's, I won't get this time back it's really important and I've learned that I'm quite resilient actually um and determined yeah because you'll come across a lot of challenges and you literally have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and carry on and you know when you think you're when you're getting a no from somebody it doesn't mean no forever and I remember kind of going to space NK and trying to get them to stock me and it was like no and then a year later they came to me so I just, live for stories like that. I'm honestly, they're my favorite kind. Yeah. You know, so I guess there's an element of like learning to be present in the moment and just taking each day as it comes. Mm. Um, you know, I know a lot of people probably do these reams of business plans and I did initially and it was really helpful. And I really have a business plan now. I'm being brutally honest. I know where I want to go and I, I know where I want, where I want to be. And I'm just taking each day as it comes and not rushing decisions because often when I rush them it's a mistake Mm, yeah absolutely I feel like um so much boils down to resilience it's such a it's like a buzzword at the moment but I do feel like you just can't underestimate it and I do feel like you can what's the word I'm going for when it um separates the kind of people that are in it for the right reasons from those that are in it for quick wins money etc etc not that going for money is a bad thing but just money you know whereas that when you've kind of like you can tell how passionate you are about the product 
and that's where that resilience comes into its own because it it I suppose it grounds you that core that the core value of what why you're doing it the core aims and that's what's kind of keeping you going if that makes sense absolutely absolutely you know you, you have to always come back to the grassroots of what you know what was your vision what was it that you were trying to achieve and I wasn't trying to achieve multi-million pounds I was trying to achieve a product that worked um, and to empower other curly people to be able to embrace and wear their hair naturally and that is what it comes down to at the end of the day so I'm not chasing money I'm definitely chasing the um you know the the, the broader picture the, the vision that I had and that was for people to be able to be curly Michelle, I always end on um, some statements. So I will start and I'd like you to finish the statement if that's okay. okay. Being my own boss means. Okay. Being my own boss means I get to choose how my day starts and ends. Um, being my own boss is quite lonely. Um, and that's quite hard. Um being my own boss can sometimes feel like a burden. Um, it kind of ties into the lonely thing. But being my own boss ultimately gives me freedom. Mm, yeah, I love that. In in terms of that loneliness, again, common thread. Um, how how do you manage that? Who do you turn to or? What's your advice, I suppose, if you don't for sitting with it or accepting it? I don't know. Do you know what? Actually, I've realised that there isn't anyone you can really turn to because ultimately everything begins and ends with you. Um, so that's it's been quite disappointing, you know, when you you feel, you know, you've got these people around you, but actually none of them can, can necessarily help and support you in that because they've got their own stuff going on, right? Everyone's got their own stuff going on. So I've forgotten what you've asked me now. <laughs> well, just, just um, I suppose, managing that or dealing with it or, you know, how, how do you not let that consume you? Do you know what I mean? Because loneliness yeah. could be if you let it. Yeah. Often I find just having a big frustrated cry really helps. Um, or I guess actually my team, I can talk to my team about it because we're all, we're kind of in it together for different reasons, but we're in it together. So I can talk to them. But sometimes just a big frustrated cry and actually just like to my, a moan to my husband, like, you know, it's bloody lonely. I'm on my own. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> you know, it all falls on my shoulders. And then sometimes that helps to dissipate. Oh my God. A cry is the best thing ever. Like, it, like once you've had a good cry, like as in a proper like shoulder shaking snot yeah. cry, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, no, when, when it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to... Stop, review, go again. Love that. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I would say that I am. Determined, thoughtful and empowering. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. Jesus Christ, it's going to be way bigger than you ever thought. <laughs> <laughs> like, buckle up. Um, and very lastly, Michelle, um, I want my legacy to be that. That through having Buclem has benefited smaller farmers, customers to feel confident every day. Yeah. And just, you know, 
that business it's not I've, I know I've said this I'm repeating myself it's not all about money but actually it's been that Buchanan's legacy is that it's been impactful in really positive ways to from our charitable donations to planting trees it's it's a a, a whole 360 effect on everything yeah yeah just taking absolutely love that so much thank you so much we got there in the end (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure it was going to happen but it did (laughs) yeah no bit touch and go honestly thank you so much that was so inspiring and I genuinely really appreciate your honesty because I feel like that's what these are all about and yeah it it means a lot so thank you you've really inspired me I love that thank you so much for inviting me and having me and I hope I didn't ramble too much Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you have a minute to spare and enjoyed it, of course, it would mean so much to me if you could please rate the podcast below or leave a review if you fancy being extra kind, as apparently it helps to give the series a little boost and helps other female founders and aspiring business owners to find it. For now, though, enjoy the rest of your day and please do look out for next week's episode. (music) 